Hello and welcome to the 7500 to Holt season preview on the Holtcast. It's episode 150 as well. So what better way for me, James Rushton, and him over there, Daniel Raza, to jump into this uh, big, it's a big number 150, this big 150 episode with a uh, a new chapter, a new season, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot wait for this season to start and basically uh, go underway. Obviously, we've got the whole match right away and then uh, we've got another game against Wigan in the week. So for those of you who have been missing out on championship football for a while, uh, I have good news for you. We have got plenty of fixtures to come and it's not going to it's not going to be an easy ride at all this season we we understand that despite the the new owners it is going to be a bit of a struggle considering that we haven't been able to make too many signings this summer but generally I'm very happy and I'm excited for the season to start let's talk about the transfer window first then because it does close for permanent transfers outgoings and stuff on a Thursday I believe so Aston Villa have until Thursday to sell or buy players. However, Villa's true window doesn't close until the end of this month, the end of August, because they're still allowed to make loan moves, which is very important because Villa have relied on loan moves and they will do so because of you know the constraints of financial fair play. So Villa technically have business to do for a while. They've got a while to do business. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm not expecting anything but loan signings. We're not signing anybody uh, on a permanent deal. I don't think that's that's something the club is looking to do. I think obviously we've got the the, the new young players coming through in the team and they're probably going to be primed and ready to take over squad positions uh, by the end of the season. So uh, I think loan signings at this point are perfectly fine. I did see a few people sticking their noses up at a couple of loan deals, but I'm sure you'll mention that a little bit later on. Uh, but to be honest with you, Loan deals and the championship, they are make and break and they are the kind of deals that, that win, you, uh, win you the league, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I think clubs do succeed from them, especially um, when, you're, when you're a club like Villa, who you've already done your spending and it hasn't really worked out the way you think. So you can't really carry on with that strategy. And it's, work, it's working now. Uh, Villa's only signing, really, is that of uh, and, Andre Moreira, mm-hmm. who's come in from... Atletico Madrid, of course, a, a, a George Mendes client. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk. If we're talking about transfers in this preview, we have to talk about Villa's new policy where they're looking for younger players and they're using agents to get these players. They're not relying just on Mendes, of course, to get players like clubs like Wolves and now Nottingham Forest seem to be sourcing all their business for a single agent with business connections to the club. I don't think that's necessarily what, what, what Villa are doing. Villa are just simply going to a variety of agents and simply saying, what have you got? And what have you got for me? I don't think that's a bad idea. No, it isn't, especially if you haven't got the structure. Villa don't have the structure to make signings. They've only got two people to rely on. And that's, uh, well, one person, that's Steve Bruce. You can't make decisions based on one, what one person thinks is best because he had, what, Stan Turner, the 70-year-old bloke, going out looking for bargains oh gosh, yeah. before the new owners come in. That. And, you know, despite the pedigree, it's a it's a problematic thing when you everything's sourced through one guy. So to you know get through some options in through a loan deal sourced through agents, that's smart business. I think the other thing is as well is that agents do tell you who's available rather than deciding at the start of the transfer window. I want this guy in particular. I think this guy in particular is the one that's gonna that's gonna fit the job role. That's not the way it works. I don't think headhunting is the way to go nowadays because if you do that, then you're just ending up you're just basically you're gonna end up getting bad deals because clubs aren't necessarily gonna want to sell those players straight away. Whereas if you know that um if you know that players are looking to move, if you know that clubs are looking to sell, then I think you can pick your business through there. And I think that's the benefit of having agents. 
If we're going to talk about transfers, though, mate, we have to talk about outgoings. Now, James Chester, Villa's centre-back, of course, is staying. It's confirmed that he's staying unless a massive bid is made because Villa are now in a position where they can reject any bid unless it's too good to turn down. Of course, Stoke coming for James Chester when Villa were in financial trouble. And they did manage to bat away a, a bid just in time for the, the new owners to come in. You know, if they if these new owners didn't come in, we may have forced James Chester to leave the club. He doesn't want to leave Aston Villa, but we may have had to force him to just so we could pay the bills. Um, but still, still, it, it's always hanging there, isn't it? Even though he said he wants to stay at the club, who knows what might happen at deadline day. Stoke have just lost against Leeds, and I don't think that result's going to define their season at all. But, you know, you're going to be looking for reinforcements at the back. And I know they've brought in Ashley Williams, but hey, the floodgates open when a club makes a bid. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, you, you would expect that kind of a result to happen, but I don't think James Chester would would want to move over to Stoke City when he is the captain over here. You know, he's such an important player to Aston Villa. There's no there's no real need for him to move. Um, I, I I don't see the benefit that would come out of him moving. Excuse me to Stoke City. I I don't think Stoke City are prime promotion candidates. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near it uh, by the end of the season. So I think um, in that sense, he's made a he's made a pretty decent decision. The only thing, the other thing as well for me is as a Villa fan, obviously, is that we we don't have any other centre backs other than Tommy Elphick, who I don't have a problem with. I'd be perfectly happy to see him start alongside Chester this season. But uh, if if we were to sell Chester, that would leave Tommy Elphick as the only experienced centre back. And um, I think. The thing that if there's anything that Steve Bruce improved for us last season, if there's any major positive to take, is that we don't break defensively anymore. We're, we're a very good uh, defensively sound side, uh, and letting go of John Terry would disrupt that enough. Letting go of James Chester after that, um, yeah, that that would be really really bad news. Yeah, pretty problematic. Um, in terms of other outgoings as well. It doesn't look like anyone at Villa are trying to shift is going to leave. You know, you had Jonathan Codger maybe on the transfer list, especially for a big offer. Scott Hogan and, and others, and no bids came in for them. But one player that is being chased, apparently, is Jack Grealish, despite the fact that no bids have come in for him. Um, Jack Grealish is, of course, seemingly wanted by Tottenham Hotspur in quite a high-profile transfer saga. It's developing now. But nothing's happened. Um, Tottenham tried to play Villa, I guess. And Daniel Levy tried to get the Tottenham chairman tries to get a good price for Grealish on his side. When Villa are in crisis, you know, 10, 15 million, that's a steal, an absolute steal for Grealish. And it may have happened, but now they're looking to, to really, Villa are looking to really push that price. And I don't know if it's going anywhere. It looked like Jack Grealish was certain to move. And, and now we don't know at all, mate. Yeah, it almost seems as though Tottenham ended their, ended their interest in him as soon as the new owners came in, which does make you think that, that Daniel Levy, it does make you think that Tottenham Hotspur were looking for a, were looking for a, uh, for, for a bargain. Uh, I think we've addressed this a few times and I think I've given my opinion on this quite a bit, but Tottenham Hotspur don't like doing business. They don't sign players. They've got so many young, young players already that they don't seem to want to uh, take the risk on signing new players. And I don't think, I don't think that's a problem whatsoever. I think Mauricio Pochettino, does have a lot of trust into uh, does have a lot of trust with his with his young Tottenham players. So I think that's one thing which immediately shows you that Tottenham Hotspur aren't going to be making signings just for the sake of it. Uh, and I think on top of that, it I'm I'm just slightly uh, curious as to what the FFP situation really is because it doesn't look like the club are in any sort of rush to make that thirty five or forty million that that has been quoted so often uh, and then if you look at it from a squad standpoint the fact that we can't sign many players the fact that we're relying on loan deals at this point 
I don't think it would also, I think the other thing is it, it wouldn't be wise to let go of too many players either. Uh, and replacing your main attacking midfielder, replacing your main playmaker at this point would be very difficult. And because of that, I don't see anything happening. It seems odd from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective to rush out and sign Jack Grealish when you, you know, you've got Josh on him. They're very similar players and it, it seems like there's a flaw in Tottenham's youth progression. They do look good at signing other teams, young players like Deli Alli at MK Dons. Harry Kane's obviously come through their own team, but look at Rio Griffiths, that you know, hot shot young striker that they've had they've let go to Leon at age what eighteen? Who's that, sorry? Rio Griffiths. Oh what from you know, Spurs? highly rated young striker, yeah, and they've they've let him go to Leon. No really? free transfer. Uh, it's a little it's a, it's a French it's a French adventure for a minute. No, but that's a that's what these players are doing, like Jadon Sancho. He yeah, was in Dortmund, true. and now he's playing. No, on the other side of it, Eric Dyer, who Tottenham Hotspur bought, was playing his his football in Portugal. So these players are taking risks. If you know whether they move at a very young age, like move at twelve to an academy, or grow up in an academy and move across, well, like Sancho and Griffith. It's it's not it's not a good time to be a young English player, is it? When you think about, oh, okay, I suppose obviously, if you want to look at look at the international team, obviously there, there, there's there's signs there. But I think for the last ten years or so, it's not been a good time to be a young young English player. You don't necessarily get the opportunities because there are so many talented foreign players in the league. I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily advocating for a Brexit strategy, so to speak. But if these players can move abroad and get more of a chance at first team football, then why wouldn't they? Look at look at uh, the likes of of Timothy Way. Look at the likes of. Christian Pulisic, players who you wouldn't expect to be in playing in France or Dortmund, albeit they're American, but uh, you know they, they, they've moved over. Same thing applies. Yeah, same thing applies. These 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 young players moved abroad, uh, players who you didn't necessarily know to what extent um, their potential was, and already they're looking like you know some of the hottest strikers in Europe. So you might as well move abroad where you're going to get more of a chance. It's completely right though. Um, I think you've got to take that chance. But yeah, Tottenham don't seem to be doing a great job of developing their own youth products. And uh, it hints at somewhat of a problematic transfer strategy when you're constantly picking and choosing and replacing. Because I don't think they need Grealish. Jack Grealish would certainly be an incredible signing. And I don't think he'll sit on the bench room as much as people think. No, no, I think he'll generally find a starting role. Because what people don't understand is that he'd likely play deeper. Not defensively, but I think he'd be central midfield rather than a 10. Which he is at Villa. I think he, he dropped, you know, to that eight role where he kind of tracks back a lot and uh, starts to drip, starts an attack right from our box. I think that's what he'll do for Tottenham, especially when that, you know, I think they've lost Dembele, haven't they? So I'm not saying he's a like for like replacement at all. I'm just saying I think he'll play a lot deeper and that will put him in right in the team. Speaking of this, have you seen what's happened to Leeds? I know I'm not taking too much of a tangent here, but I'm sure you know what I'm on, what I'm talking about. You know, talking of young players who have moved for way less than they're worth. Yeah, of course, uh, Ronaldo Vieira, of course, went to Sampdoria. How, so, do, do, you know, do you know how much it happened? How much? 7.7 million. So still, I'd... Potentially rise up to 10 million. It's, it's insane. Wow. And this is... This is for, it, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Well, it's awful, isn't it? And look, look, Leeds, this is for... This is obviously, Leeds have had to do it to, to fund investment. Um, and I'm, I'm just saying, look, look, it could be Leeds. It could be worse. You know, um, if 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 yeah. it was to be that Grealish was to was to move for that sort of money, um, then would be absolutely uh, distraught. And I'm just saying, let's just hope that let's just hope that we don't have to sacrifice Grealish for that kind of money, because 
25 million it'll be i'm happy with that 20 if you give me if they give me 25 million and say a season loan for josh armor that solves a lot of villas problems and it gives them a worthy bit of cash yeah but then you lose Grealish, and it's that's sad but that's football isn't it and it's hard but it happens and there's no set you know hey these moves don't always work out you know you look at chelsea and i know the situation at times a lot different but chelsea pilot to pay players and then like Salah and De Bruyne, and <laughs> these players that they buy and they never end up using these. Ha- this happens at big clubs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it does. You, you make that Premier League move for big money, and then suddenly you're back at where you started, and that that sits well with me. That's a really good thing. What sits well with you? Well, the fact that if you sell Jack Grealish and he comes back, you know, you sell him for twenty five million, you get promoted to the Premier League in three years. Maybe Grealish isn't playing as much at Tottenham as he wants and you could buy him back for 20 15 million yeah i suppose so I suppose that's good so, as long as they're not a ruined that's player a... by that point oh no, no way i think you know you're always gonna have that but yeah let's move on from Greeley. we don't know if he's going to be sold yet and we'll likely find out midweek of course the transfer deadline for permanent moves uh shuts on thursday so yeah we'll we'll find out and uh we'll be dealing with the fallout from that if there is any on the next episode. But yeah transfers all done FFP we don't know what to say about it because we really don't know how bad the situation is or if it's bad at all. But uh, a smaller side on that Birmingham City of course were hit with an embargo for for loss you know gross losses in the face of financial fair play after a, a mad summer rampage by Harry Redknapp brought in a massive wage bill. Um the EFL have allowed them a grace of, uh, you know, you can make five signings and that's it. So maybe the punishments at FFP aren't so bad. And considering the fact that Aston Villa have spoken to the EFL about their situation and they've had the transfer embargo actually lifted by the EFL, this is Villa, maybe there is something there that, that says that FFP, the financial fair play situation, isn't actually that bad for Villa. And maybe they are dealing with it in in a way that we can't see. Well, the thing with Blues is you've got to remember is that I think I think uh, Blues fans feel very very hard done by because they haven't necessarily done an awful ro- an awful lot wrong. Um, because I mean, they, they, their owners, I think, obviously they, they started off pretty badly. You know, they did the whole Zola thing and whatnot. They did the the, the whole thing about hiring Harry Redknapp. But you know, they have been bringing young players, and they haven't necessarily been making ludicrously expensive signings. That hasn't been something that, that Birmingham City have done. Um, and well, the reason that Blues fans are so unhappy is that like uh, the the FA or basically whoever's in charge of FFP did nothing about the situation when they had basically, uh, I've forgotten the name of the guy, Carson Young in charge. And nothing happened to Blues then. And now yeah. they're all of a sudden being punished and they can't necessarily see why. But I mean, um, let, let, let's move away from Blues. At this point now, Villa, you're, you're right. They are trying to do things right. But then that brings it down to another situation. If you're another club, you're, you're thinking, well, hang on a second, shouldn't they be punished? Just because they've managed to sell the club, just because Villa uh, are doing things right now, that doesn't mean that, that their punishment should be should be left alone. Yeah, um, but in terms of Villa, it can't be that bad, can it? Can't be how bad? A Villa, Villa situation can't be as bad as Blues is. No, I suppose not. If, if, if obviously, if, if they're being punished more than we are right now, then, then yeah. Um, it can't be that bad. Yeah, it, it speaks volumes with the fact that we've spoken to the EFL and we're continuing to maybe pursue business rather than force a fire sale. So 
I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm really mystified as to what the actual situation is with financial fair play. But um, I digress. I think we'll find out about that soon enough. You know, within the next, at least this time next year, we'll know. But uh, let's talk about Villa's squad because, you know, to play football and to complete a football season, you do need to uh, deploy some players, 11, in fact. So uh, we've got a fair bit to speak about with the squad. Um, I'm going to break it down. We're not going to speak about everyone. I just want to know, firstly, who do you think? And bar Jack Grealish is the obvious choice. Bar James Chester, two obvious choices I've taken away. I want to know who you think Villa's key player will be outside of those two. So no Chester, no Grealish. Of course, yeah, no. You're not allowed. I'd say I'd, I would say Burkier, but Bruce isn't going to flip and play him, is he? Um, in which case, I've got this really funny feeling about Richie Delat. So I think I think I think Albert Adoma is is my first one who I'd say is going to be key, right? I'd say my obvious one is is Albert Adoma. You know the amount of goals that he scored last season, the the, the sort of run that he was on last season. If he can replicate it again. You know, that would be terrific for us, um, especially since Robert Snodgrass isn't going to be around. Um, but but yeah, secondly to that, I've got a feeling about Richie Delat. I think the fact that we don't have that many defenders in now means that Richie Delat's going to have to play a few more games. And the games that I saw him play in preseason, the guy was absolutely ridiculous. Now, whether that's a centre-back, whether that's a right-back, the guy has, you know, taken teams up from the championship before. He's a Premier League winner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there. He's a Premier League winner. He, he won it with Leicester City, despite he, the fact he didn't play at all. Uh, but I, I've, I've got this feeling about Richie Delat, James. I, don't, I wouldn't put that past you. He's uh, certainly seemed well. My worry is that, you know, players do this in pre-season and then they're never seen again. True, true. I hear that. Last season, Chris Samba played fairly well as a centre-back and he didn't really feature in that role for Aston Villa for an extended period of he time. He bad, though, when he played. No, he wasn't. But, you know, you suddenly you play really good in pre-season and then suddenly you're the second and third name behind whoever's starting in your position. Mm-hmm. Um, my key player, um, I believe it will be Andre Green. You think he will break out this season then? You think this is the season that he, like, gets all those assists? I firmly believe that Andre Green has already broken out. Okay. Because from what I've seen of Andre Green... It's someone who, this time last season, people were writing off Jack Grealish. You, you, that's something not a lot of people remember. Mm. When Middlesbrough came in for him, people were happy to sell him. And that's a situation that you find almost agreeable with. People was like, yeah, he's had his chance. You know, he's not going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Um, I wouldn't miss him if we were to sell him. And of course, Grealish throughout last season became our key player yeah. Yeah, after yeah. missing the start for injury. People were looking at Andre Green as being the man. Because, of course, Jack Grealish was still a left on, on the left wing at this time. He wasn't that central player. He was still deploying him on the left wing. He didn't even play that well in our first championship season. But, yeah, um, Andre Green, on the other hand, I think we've seen so much good stuff from him. And it's weird because he seems to kind of... I'm, I'm not going to say we forget he exists, but it's weird. It's weird. But with, uh, with Green, I think that's a, you've got a really special player there. And it's not, I'm not just going to fall into the tropes of pace and power. But you've got a player who can, he's got a stunning shot on him, and he did struggle with finishing in his first season and last season at Villa. You know, he'd come in late with the the diving headers. He he had a, he really did hit the bar and post so many times as well. But uh, he scored that stunning goal against Norwich, and unfortunately got injured, and we didn't see him much. But um, I think 
if you're looking for a player who's going to step up, because we need a, a left winger now. Um, Robert Snodgrass is gone. That means Albert Doma probably will drift over to the right, unless we play Richard, you know, unless we play Al Mohamedi or Richard Dillat up there, in which case uh, Adoma will probably move to the left. But I think Andre Green is going to step up in a key position for Villa. Mm. He has to. He's targeting 10 goals, mate. That says a lot. Is that what he said? Yeah, he said that on the, the club site. Yeah, he's target, targeting double digits across all competitions for the senior side. He wants 10 goals. And man, go for it because he, he does, he, he's very direct. And I'm not saying he just runs headlessly at goal, but he, he does know where it is and he doesn't forget. And he's, he's good at getting past players as well, isn't he? You know, he, he is a very good dribbler with the ball. And if we've got, if we've got him and Albert Adoma um, playing, you know, on either wing, we should be able to scare defenders. I think, you know, that, that, that has to owe to a certain type of football. And I think, you know, especially if we are playing a little bit more counter-attack next season, uh, a little bit less sort of... Uh, a little bit less long ball, a little bit more counter-attack, then, yeah, I think it could be really important for us. I think that also, though, that is going to have to owe to a strong central midfield, uh, James. And as long as as long as long we've got the, the players to, to, to get the ball out wide to him and and make sure that he's got that, uh, that I mean, to make sure that, 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 that he's got that freedom to, to, to try and attack defenders, then, yeah, I think he's, he's the sort of player that can really survive in those conditions. Okay, then. Um, that's the positive stuff out of the way. I'm not going to um, talk you into doing a negative answer, but I just want to know what your weak link is uh, or your spot that needs improving, maybe the player who needs to step up. Left back. We have one. We only have one. We have we have Neil Taylor. Uh, and He's not even the first name on the sheet, well, is he? In, in his own position. This is the thing. This is the thing. We're still relying on Alan Hutton there, who, by the way, played fantastically last season at left back. I don't want to see a full season of Alan Hutton at left back. I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want to have to go the whole season with a 34-year-old right back playing at left back. That's just not, I mean, throw back to Luke Young who managed to do it, fair enough. But I'm just not, I'm just not expecting great things there. And I think that if the club doesn't bring in a left back or if the club doesn't, you know, start using one of the younger players there, then, you know, it's just absolutely ludicrous for one. And I think, secondly, I think it's just, uh, what's the, what's the word? I think it's just, full-on arrogant to be honest so either either play neil taylor either choose him as your first pick uh or you know go out there and get a get a young center back on loan like i don't sorry a young left back on loan i don't see why we're why we're going into the season with only one james no it seems like most of our transfer rumors are persisting around the goalkeeper's position which to be fair it doesn't matter because they're not sorted at goalkeeper they don't have sam johnston mate Left Jed Steer, I'm not going to say he's better than Sam Johnson, but he's certainly serviceable. Villa can't go out and get themselves that elite mm. for championship level, at least. Quality goalkeeper, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So they need to settle with what they've got, and what they got isn't that bad for now. Um, if you're looking at Jed Steer and Moreira, you may have something in Moreira and you don't know. Of course, Moreira, the player we've loaned in from Atletico Madrid. So I'm not sure why we're pursuing another goalkeeper, if rumours are correct, when... We really need to be looking at the fullback situation because the fullback situation is so overloaded on the right side, and it seems that we're trying to force these players into, you know, square pegs into round holes. Because of course you're looking at Alan Hutton potentially being a centre back as well if he's not playing left back, and you're looking at James Bree being a centre back, and of course then you go to the young players, Mitch Clark now being drafted in as a centre back because we haven't sorted that centre back position out. We're overloaded in the right back position, and we've got no left backs. 
And it seems like we are Which I don't we're not taking the common sense approach there. And maybe there is a master stroke in putting these players at centre back. Maybe there is a master stroke in not playing Neil Taylor. But I don't get it. I don't see the the full picture, and I don't think I'm the only one. Surely there's a well. This is the thing. Surely there's a, there's a there's a team out there in the championship who don't have enough right backs, but have too many centre backs. There's got to be one, right? Like, can we sort out a swap deal? Can we send James Bree out on loan and excuse me, bring in a centre back? Like, I, I don't I don't think the club has been working towards it because we haven't been linked with a single defender for for such a long time i think um you can pretty much guarantee that there'll be a, an offer for axel tonzebe at some point um but then will he play center back which is a position or will yeah. we put him on the right flank or the left flank i don't know he's gonna he's gonna play him at right back because that's what we do i, d- I don't know what it is but it, it seems like it seems like steve bruce is trying to set up some s- sort of fatal four-way like summer slam main event between like every single one of our right backs, like battle to the finish to see who should start there, and then leave three three of them languishing in the in the back somewhere. I don't. Alan Hutton, Ahmed El Mahamedi, James Bree, Richie Delate. How many do you need? That is ludicrous. I swear I'm forgetting one as well. Well, with Al Mahamedi, you got to remember last season we started with him as the right wing before Snodgrass come in. He's the best right back in yeah, the team. Yeah, but we didn't sign him to play right back. We signed him for, for a different position that he's been forced out of. So we've got... <laughs> he's no, but he's yeah, he back. is now. And he has played there, but we definitely signed him to play right wing because that's where he we started. That's where he played in pre-season. So that's, pro- that's problems, mate. Oh problems God. in positioning. We've got plenty because we're overloaded with players we can't sell and that we aren't going to use. Um, players like Henry Lansbury, you know, there's too many. Maybe he'll play left back. Yeah, my dog, my dog's going. There's a, I don't know if that's my dog, but there's some dog going angry. I'm not. I don't think I'll edit it out. It adds a, adds a bit of flavour. But uh, no, it's all good. I, I interviewed, I interviewed Mick Foley once, and the whole interview was uh, basically his dog barking in the background. <laughs> oh, that's uh, tragic. And it made for good radio. So it's that's good. tragic. It's all good. I, I just, I just want to say, like the other thing about you know playing, playing players in that fullback position. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times with Villa, haven't we? We've seen like Nigel Riococa play at right back when he's not really a right back. Um, we saw Luke Young playing at left back. I can't remember if he was any good or not, but um, from what I remember, uh, I think most of us were quite annoyed by the fact that we didn't have a left back yeah. at the time. And Nottingham Forest tried it this weekend as well. By the way, they shoved the centre. They tried to shove a central midfielder back in that position, uh, and they got absolutely murdered for it, despite having such an expensive team. Um, so. I want to see players play in their correct positions this season. Please, Steve Bruce, if there's anything that we leave behind in last season, I do not want to see central midfielders playing up front. I don't want to see right-backs playing at left-back. And I don't want to be seeing uh, random uh, selections at centre-back like Mila Yedinak. All right, then. Our final thing on the preview agenda, really, is the, the position of manager. We have to speak about Steve Bruce, his policies, his future, essentially. And it doesn't look great for him. At the outset, mate, um, of course, there seems to be a bit of anger about the press referring to agents being in control of the club. There seems to be a bit of disagreement in transfer policy. Of course, this is all speculation. And uh, I think we're all kind of ready to back Steve Bruce and we're all ready to get behind him. But it's just a bit of a concern that the managerial position has seemed unstable all summer. Of course, there's rumours about Thierry Henry, whether that was a real thing, but maybe... Villa's ownership were when they came in. Maybe they were looking at bringing in their own guy. And 
But uh, Steve Bruce's position, it's been worse for him, especially around Christmas time last year and before we went on a winning mm. streak. Um, but it really does look like the last chance for a manager who is constantly been in the last chance saloon, so to speak. Yeah, no, he's he's been he's been there for a long time, hasn't he? I think people were even talking about it at the end of last season. I think the only thing that annoys me about Steve Bruce is just is is, is random sort of chats into negativity, and that's one thing that I don't like. Um, I I think if you take a step back and look at how he's done at the club, he really hasn't done that badly. Yeah, he should have taken us up by now, but he hasn't done that badly, uh, and I don't think he's. I don't think that you can put an awful lot of blame onto him when when there's times where the players just haven't uh, performed when they should have done. Um, but, you know, I don't want to get into that conversation too much. I think we'll see by the first sort of 10 games or so whether he's ready for the team or not. Um, and So if he's ready for the season or not, if he's, if he's good enough to keep us going. Uh, and if he isn't, we'll just have to do a Di Matteo and get rid of him early. Uh, that's, that's the only thing we can really do at this point. No one's expecting a promotion. So again, it's almost like we're going into another non-pressure season. Uh, and whilst we need to really be hitting the playoffs, I don't think anybody's expecting us to finish first or second. Um, so yeah, I think if, if, if it comes to the point where it's 10 games in and we've only won two or three games, yeah, get rid of him, uh, bring in someone new. It's going to be a rough time for him. Um, I think you have to really give the plaudits uh, for him sticking through Villa through one of the hardest periods of his life. But uh, it, it, there just seems to be this negative aura around him. And it's always when things go bad, he does seem to strike out. And no, I don't blame him. But uh, it happens at Sunderland, this quote-unquote mass hysteria he comes out with. People have every right to be unhappy with crap results, especially those who went to Brentford last season on a boxing day when they were calling for him to be sacked. I think they had every right to do that because everyone knows the situation at Villa was so desperate to get promoted. And Villa didn't really look in the most part, like they were going to get to the, there was massive spells of them winning loads and loads of games, but then it would fall apart at crucial moments. And you think, does this yeah. side actually want it? <laughs> Do they? Does the manager want it? Because it seems like it would have been easier to draw against Norwich and QPR and Bolton than to just implode. There was this sort of laziness, which, which, which happened. And I think uh, you, you even have to remember, like as much as, as, as great as he was for us, like, yeah, I mean, as 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 great as he was for us, remember that um, what was it? Yeah, John Terry even managed to 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 go through spells where he'd fall apart and forget that he's a Champions League winning centre back, uh, and basically just let easy balls through. Uh, they, I mean, he was caught napping near the end of the season at crucial games, and it he wasn't the only one. Like a lot of our senior players just absolutely fell to pieces out of nowhere. And I don't know if you can attribute that to Bruce, but, you know, coming out with, with negative things in interviews and saying things like, you know, we're, we're saying things like it's, it's, it's going to be tough, it's going to be rough and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think, I don't think that helps at all. Um, if anything, you should be coming out, the club should be coming out and saying, look, we're chasing success. This is what we want to do. And this is how good we are. But yeah, I don't know. It just always seems to be a thing with Aston Villa. We never seem to strive for much more than, than the fans do. Well, I think that about wraps it up. So we'll uh, we'll get to predictions. Um, of course, we've got a game actually tomorrow as of recording. We play Hull City. 
And we're not going to talk about that because we actually have zero information as to how the squad will line up, what they'll do. We won't know that until that game is played. Again, Wigan, uh, Saturday first home game. We have zero information. We don't know how this game is going to be played. Um, we've just got to do our, our predictions are kind of out of nowhere, really, until we get a few games under our belt and know how this side actually lines up and what they're going to do this season, uh, the second full season under Steve Bruce, as it, as it turns out. So firstly, mate, before we get into predictions about Hull and Wigan, I want to know where you think Villa will finish. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I bet you that my, my scoreline predictions won't even reflect this. Tenth. Yeah. Tenth. Tenth. Fuck. Is That's it? Is it bad. bad? Not bad. I guess I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it after what's happened. But that seems to. Do you, do you think that the? Do you think that team, much of which has remained from last season, is going to really be that riled up about playoffs? We'll get to. We'll get to a point where you know, know we've done decently at the start of the season. We'll show promise. We'll have players who are obviously doing really well. But then I think at that point where it's like we can't finish first or we can't finish second. Um, and the only real option is trying to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be up for it, man. I, I, I don't I don't want to be awfully negative. I, I think that we're going to come out with more positives than negatives by the end of the season. I, we're not going to get we're not going to get promoted. Um, I just want to put that one out there. It's, it's just not going to happen with the team that we have. Uh, just in comparison to so many other teams in the league, uh, unless unless we unless we were to sneak in the playoffs and there's a chance, um, but we're not finishing first or second. I think because of that, uh, I I just don't see the team um, putting up a fight by the end of the season to, to 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 get in that playoff playoff position. And my my source for that, my exhibit for that, is the fact that at the end of last season, where we could have nailed on promotion, where we were third or fourth in the league when we were in a position in which we could absolutely break into the top two and, and get promoted. Uh, we, 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 we just didn't seem to want it that much. And there's nothing so far that tells me that we'll be able to break it this season. That is unless the youngsters do surprise me. That is unless Rashawn Hepburn-Murphy, that is unless Rashawn Hepburn-Murphy, Keenan Davis, Jake Doyle-Hayes, Andre Green all turn up. We yeah, I have to keep fairly neutral with my prediction here, and I'm going to say mm. tenth. I think Villa could finish anywhere, realistically, anywhere between third and twelfth. I was going to say, so, so you, you you think that they're capable of finishing top of the playoffs, but you don't think they're capable of finishing second? Yeah, because if you look at how the championship may unfold, I'm not going to. Stoke have already played, West Brom have already played, and they didn't look great. But then again, neither did Newcastle in their first game. And when they went down, and I, of course, stormed the league. Fulham, again, didn't look great at the start of last season, and they stormed the league. These things, you don't see the real picture of the season emerging until far too late in the game. And you're either ahead of the curve and you need to carry on, or you're behind the curve and need to step up. And I don't trust Villa to be ahead of the curve, but I trust for them to step up. And the problem is, the problem I'm seeing with one and two is that for, for to get those places, Villa are going to, need to start well um, if they have a wobble to recover and keep that consistency. Villa aren't consistent. They're, they're quite streaky. So yeah, yeah. they lose that first and second place if they're streaky. You, you, you don't get that. You either do one of two things and that's either you wobble and you fix up or you start so well that you, you're afforded to collapse, that you're allowed to. 
and I don't see Villa being one of those two teams. I see them and being a team because... that, that wins loads and loses loads. And that's because we're lacking squad depth. That's because we're lacking, we're lacking that squad depth. If we're forced to play mid... It's not like we're lacking it. It's like we lack it in key areas. <laughs> like You've got too many right-backs. You've got too many central midfielders, but you don't have enough maybe difference. You don't yeah, have... That's depth. Yeah. That's a lack of depth. Like if, if, if at the end of the day, this is, this is the thing. At the end of the day, a team like Middlesbrough, right? Their centre-back gets injured. Their main centre-back gets injured. Um, and he's out for three or four months. Their third choice will come in and he'll do okay. At the moment, the situation we're in is that, let's say we're playing James Chester, we're playing Tommy Elphick. Both of them are playing, playing okay. James Chester gets injured for two games, let's say, two or three games. Mila Yedinak starts at centre-back. Decent, right? I can, I, can, I can say that. He's okay, right? He can win a load of headers. Um, we, we're not necessarily going to concede from, from, from set pieces. That's fine. Somebody's going to run through him. And we're, we're going we're gonna to end up, you know, we're going to end up losing perhaps that one vital goal that we need that is the difference between three points or the difference between one point and, and, and losing the game. Uh, and at the moment, this is, this is the situation where same, same thing happens if Neil Taylor's injured. You know, Alan Hutton may all of a sudden, you know, lose this great form that he's got at left back and, and, and get murdered on the right flank for a couple of games. And that's, that's what we're going to be susceptible to over here for a good side, for a side to finish first or second, or even to get in the playoff position, right? You need a certain amount of balance. The only reason we managed to make the playoffs last season is because we went on a run of something like nine or 10 games unbeaten or something like that. I can't remember how much it was. Uh, and and if if you've got so many players playing out of position, uh, then yeah, we're just not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think I'll take fifth or sixth then for my prediction. But yeah, we've got matches, mate. We've got matches. And I think you said that in our first match against Hull City that it'll be a 1-1 draw. Yeah, 1-0 one draw. 1-0 draw. Bo, of course, said that. Um, Phil is, uh, of course, your able standing on the Hope cast. And of course, uh, 7,500 to Hull and Ryder Um, I said 1-0 to Villa. And I think these are fair. As we've both predicted something fair. Um, as for Wigan, though, this is fresh ground. We've already told executive producer uh, Trev our predictions on Twitter. But we need to uh, get our, our Wigan ones out because we have that game before we, we record again. So uh, after playing Hull on Monday, we face Wigan at home with a new fresh pitch. Mate, we've, we've dug up the pitch, put the pitch down. We've got a fresh outlook. Hopefully we haven't lost to Hull and we can uh, come back to home, come back to Villa Park, have a good game against Wigan. What do you think the result will be? Of course, you can't explain it too well because we don't know anything. But uh, what do you think will happen there? Right, sorry, which which game am I giving the prediction on? Wigan. We've already given Hull. Right, Wigan Athletic. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Okay, so Wigan themselves are a decent side, I'd say. Um, I think they've they've managed to sign Callum, <laughs> Callum McManaman again. He's come back to, to Wigan and obviously he's going to give them a bit of a uh, give them a bit of a boost on on uh, I mean whenever we do play them, um, they've also got you know a couple of other a couple of other decent players who, who are gonna who are gonna threaten us. You know you've got the likes of Nick Powell as well, who is is a very talented footballer, just hasn't been able to break through uh, like we like we perhaps expected him to. Uh, and they of course have the legendary Will Grigg as well. Um, having said that, we should be beating Wigan Athletic. No no problem. They shouldn't be a team that causes us too much trouble 
uh, and you know it's going to be a it's going to be a tough old season for them. And the and the fact that that uh, the fact that Wigan Athletic are going to be battling relegation this season, or sorry, the the possibility or the very real possibility that Wigan are going to be um, battling relegation this season tells me that we should we should uh, be expected to pick up three points. I think the Wigan result for me is perhaps going to be dependent on how we do against Hull City. But assuming we get the draw against Hull City, I'm going to go with a very, very, very slender 1-0 win. I think I'll take that. I think I'll uh, I'll match you on that. For the first time, I'll match you. I think it'll be... No, I'm not going to match you. I'm not going to match you. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for 2-1. Was that change of mind? Um, what's changed my mind is... Remembering watching the highlights of Wigan beating Sheffield Wednesday. Now, Wigan had every right. Sheffield Wednesday aren't a good team. So, uh, Wigan, every right to beat them 3 2. It's a game where both teams were lumping it. Wigan, 70% pass completion, mate. That's bad. That's atrocious. Was that it? That, it shows me. Yeah, it shows me one thing. Three, only three, barely 350 passes. That's lumping it. They did manage to get, the, you know, a line share of the shots and that. But you play, you play in Villa Park, big crowd, first home game of the season. And this is a Villa team that really, really wants to prove something. Written off. They did score I three think... goals in that game, didn't they? Yeah. Michael Jacobs. I don't know if that says too much when uh, Wednesday played so horribly. And they were down to I don't know if you can take too much from that. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. I don't take too much from that. And uh, I think we can't really give a really educated prediction. But I'll go 2-1. I think Wigan actually may score first. I think it'll come early. But Villa going out. Home crowd back, you know, see it through, get that 2 1. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's it. They're, they're defenders, they're not, you know, amazing, are they? Uh, but, you know, they went on a pretty decent run, didn't they? Uh, last season in the FA Cup, if I remember correctly. Or, no, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking wrong, actually. But they, 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 yeah, yeah, they did. They, they beat Wigan and they beat Manchester City. So if they decide to turn up, if they, turn up with their big balls, essentially, and say, right, we're playing against Aston Villa. They're a big team. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Let's get a, let's get a, let's get a big victory here. Then, you know, there's a chance of that happening. But yeah, their defenders aren't amazing. Uh, I think we should do well against them. Um, they've got the likes of Keeper and, and, and Shane Dunkley, like you say, at the start of the back. Um, but yeah, it's that attack, really, which Villa need to, Villa need to watch. Uh, but uh, Michael Jacobs, who you'd say, is probably the most dangerous player on the left hand, on the, on the left flank. Um, we shouldn't have a problem dealing with since we've got four right backs, James. So <laughs> I'm, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna stick to it. I don't think Will Grigg is as amazing as as you know people might assume he is just because he's uh, of legendary status. And I think really we should just be hoping for a decent for a decent one all victory here. And you just got to hope that Wigan's initial victory against Sheffield Wednesday was just a was just a little bounce. Yeah, well, I think that's it for the show today, mate. Um, we can't really talk much about Villa's upcoming matches because we've got to see how things are unfolding this first week. But uh, sure enough... I don't even know who's going to start. No, you know? no, nothing. So uh, I think, sure enough, we'll be there on Sunday to uh, cover cover the results, the fallout of these two matches, and hopefully it's positive. But yeah, we'll be there to break uh, the whole game down and the Wigan game down next Sunday. You can follow him at DHRaza on Twitter. You can find me at Jamie Rushton on Twitter. And you can find us all together at 7500s Hot on Twitter. If you like the show, get back to us because we like hearing of you. Uh, not necessarily awesome. reviews or anything, but yeah, we're, we're willing to build a community around it, aren't we? 
yeah, absolutely. And remember that this is episode 150. So uh, share it as much as possible so that, you know, you've all your mates are listening to the same Villa podcast as you uh, for the rest of the season. We're going to be with you every single week. Um, if it's not me, it will be Phil as well. So, you know, you, you will have you will have different voices, you know. Uh, so, yeah, just just. Make sure you're listening to the podcast. Of course, make sure that you're sending in your your opinions, your questions, so we can shout you out every week. And uh, you let us know what you want more of on the podcast. And absolutely, we're gonna we're gonna look to to make this a big season for the Hulk cast, So long as uh, it's a big season for Aston Villa. Yeah, I think there's no better time to call it there. So we'll see you next Sunday, and hopefully, two wins under about and six points. Fingers crossed. But uh, who knows? It is Aston Villa. See you next time.